Good morning. Good morning. It is a privilege and it's an honor to be here this morning. This is not my chosen spot. <laughs> this is not my chosen position. I would rather not, but I'm thankful that I'm here. I'm so thankful that I'm here. I promise you, I have no special words. I don't know any words that you don't know. I don't know anything that you don't know. But I'm here and I'm relying on our Father and His Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do amongst us this morning. So, as I come before you, I'd like to share a scripture. It's Acts chapter 12. And it's a story. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell two stories this morning. One is mine and one is ours. So I'm going to read everything but the last verse. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, that's John's brother, killed with a sword. When, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring <clears throat> Peter out for the public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off his wrists. And the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel offered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And, and, it, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his, to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. 
At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave a great ovation. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, it's the voice of a God, not of a man. Instantly, the angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Verse 24 and last, it says, Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers. Here in the reading of the word. Okay, so this morning I want to ask you, what has Jesus freed you to do? What have you been freed to do? Based on this story, this, this passage of scripture, I'm going to make a few, few observations, not many. I'm going to make a few observations. Okay, so I'm going to make a few observations. The first one is that while Peter was imprisoned, the believers prayed fervently. What does that mean for us? The believers pray, prayed fervently. I believe that means that as each other's brothers, as each other's keeper, we have a role, we have a responsibility to lift each other up when, when we experience life's turmoils and life's struggles. The, the prayers, I'm sure that the fervent prayers of the believers was heard by God. The scripture tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avail it much. So we imagine, we imagine that these prayers these prayers made a difference. And that is as a congregation, as a people, as, a, as the body of Christ, it's our responsibility to lift each other up. When, when life gets difficult, I know I've heard many people say, oh, you know, when this happened or that happened, I could not even pray. I could not even pray. And there's where we come in. When we can't pray for ourselves, we the rest of us get the opportunity to lift each other up and to call on the sovereign God to deliver. The next observation I'm going to make from the scripture is that King Herod Agrippa saw that it pleased the Jewish people when he killed, when he had the apostle James killed. And so he, he arrested Peter. Now, Herod, he joined these people, the Jews, in persecuting the church. These people were upset because they were not, they were unhappy with 
they weren't happy with this new, the way, this new movement, this new church. They weren't happy that, you know, the apostles were preaching about Jesus, that they had seen and experienced Jesus working. They saw his sign and his wonders. They listened to his teaching. And for and those Jews who disagreed, who who demanded, in fact, demanded Jesus's death. They took they took a criminal over Jesus. They demanded Jesus that now they were up, they were opposing the apostles as they went about preaching. And so Herod in catering to, to the Jews joined them, had had one person, one apostle killed, and he intended to follow suit with, with, with Peter, I'm sure. He, he, he had no good intentions for Peter. So while Peter was here, put on trial, right? He was asleep. Now imagine this was the night before his trial. How many of us would be sleeping the night before certain death, certain person, certain, certain negative outcome? Herod had nothing happy, nothing joyful, nothing, nothing positive planned for Peter. So even at, at his mildest, it would have been negative. But here is Peter, fast asleep. And imagine fast asleep to the point where when the angel, when the light, the angel came and the light appeared, he didn't wake up. I mean, that commotion didn't wake him up. The light didn't wake him up. He, the angel, the scripture says that he was struck. The angel struck him and woke and awoke um, and woke him up and told him, "Put on your clothes. You know, let's go." Now, why was he? Why was he fast asleep? Why? I mean, why was he so? Why was he so relaxed or unbothered or unconcerned that he was so fast asleep that somebody had to? The disturbance didn't wake him, but somebody had to physically wake him up. I would, I would like to suggest that Peter's confidence was so certain, was so fixed on, on, on the power of God and the Holy Spirit. He didn't know what was about to happen. Nobody told him. Peter, the scripture didn't say that he had a vision and, you know, God told him, I'm going to let you out. I'm going to release you. He, he didn't know. Nobody, nobody warned him in advance that it was going to be a good outcome. But in all that, what he was certain of was that he knew, he knew this man, Jesus. He knew the power of this Holy Spirit. He had seen the power of the Holy Spirit at work. In fact, he had used the same Holy Spirit in his ministry. So he knew, he knew what, he knew the power of the Spirit and what could happen through the power of the spirit. And his response is consistent with earlier in the, in the book of Acts, the believers, where the scripture said that the believers rejoice because they were counted worthy to suffer the name, to suffer for the name of Jesus. Now imagine that he, he believed that he was fortunate, he was lucky to be counted worthy to suffer. So even if his end was suffering, he was so he was so confident that he had made the right decision that he he went to sleep all unconcerned now i have a question think about all that happened and think about your life what is your prison what is your prison is it shame is it doubt is it guilt 
Is it pride? Is it anger? What is it? Is it malice? Is it fear? My prison was fear. I was terrified of life itself. And I will tell you, my freedom is still evolving, I believe, but has come in stages. I didn't get released all at once. Several years ago, many years ago, I was, I was contemplating going to church and I wasn't sure. You know, I didn't know where to go, didn't know, didn't, didn't know what I wanted, didn't know much about the church because I grew up Jehovah's Witness and I didn't want to go back. I somehow... It, has, it had lost its appeal. And so while I contemplated going to church, I contemplated, but I didn't actually go. Until one day, my whole life changed. All of a sudden, my life was upended. And I had to confront all my fears head on, all at once. Okay? So about six months after I had migrated to the United States, I had, I was involved, oh, oh, sorry. I was involved in a major car accident and I was in my car driving with my friend. We were, I just moved to Florida and we were driving to go look at an apartment. And while I was driving, I noticed the speed limit sign and I, it started, it, you know, it sparked the conversation. It started this conversation. So I said, oh, my gosh, you know, I never want to be in an accident. I never want for it to be my fault. And I've made it all the way through childhood without breaking a bone. And I don't want to break a bone in adulthood. <laughs> as soon as those words were out of my mouth, I can't, I still to this day don't understand this. This was 2007. I still to this day don't understand it. As soon as the words came out of my mouth, all I heard was my friend saying in my ear, Tamar. And the next thing I know, the car was spinning. I don't know how it happened. I didn't see it happen. I didn't feel it happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. It just happened. Like it was, there was no slow motion. There was no anything. I was driving one minute. We were moving forward. And the next minute we were spinning. And it, it, I mean, to this day, my recollection of all the things that happened is the same. I still don't know. I still don't know how it happened. It was explained to me later on that my car hydroplane, but again, I didn't feel anything. It didn't feel different. I didn't feel like I had lost control or anything. So it still is a mystery to me how it happened. But again, the, the, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, there it is. I was in an accident. It was my fault. And I broke my and I broke my leg. And the first thing I said to her, the first thing I said when the car, you know, when I like when I when I got my voice back, I said, Lord Jesus have mercy, stays in me, broke my foot. I don't know how I I don't I didn't see, I didn't feel anything. I don't know if I heard it. I don't know how I knew. But the first thing I said, my first realization was, oh my God. Didn't I just say that? I made it all the way through childhood. I'd never broken a bone. No, that's I'm an adult. Well, I don't want to break a bone. Like, you know, that's for kids. You run up and down, you play, you do whatever, you have accidents. If you're unfortunate, you have a broken bone. But here I was now confronting all, confronting all of these fears. Not short, not long after, somebody came to our car and the lady said, oh, 
uh, you know, I just want you to know, she told me it was a man. She didn't say a woman, but it was a woman. She said, I just want you to know that the person that was driving the other car passed. I'm sitting there. I can't move. I, I'm one leg waiting, waiting, waiting for I don't know what, waiting, you know, just sitting there not knowing what to do. Okay, so while, while, I, while I was home, you know, fast forward, I went to the hospital, we got, I've had surgery, um, you know, while I was home recuperating from this broken leg, my friend, the same one that was in the car with me, she asked me, she said, my pastor, my pastor asked if she could visit you. Is it okay? And I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, I've been planning to go to church. I've been planning. I just never made it. I've been planning to go to church. So sure, she could, she could visit me. I mean, why not? And so her pastor came and she visited me a, a couple of times. And she, inv um, she invited me to church. In fact, I'm not even sure I was walking the first time I went to church with her, I believe I was still on crutches. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sure I was still on, on crutches, I think. Anyway, she invited me to church and I liked it. The people were nice. I mean, that was, you know, that was it. I wanted to go. I went. The people were nice. They were so warm. They were so welcoming. So I decided I like the people. I like the fellowship. I keep going. And so eventually I got baptized. Anyway. Let's go back to the accident. You know, when I had this, um, when, you know, when, when I was in the hospital and the surgeon, he, he spoke to me. And this was, this was not necessarily, not, the whole conversation didn't take place before the surgery, but before or after. The, the, my surgeon said to me, you know, an injury like this normally requires three surgeries. You're going to have to have three surgeries. Okay. So here I am, almost he told me, you know, you, we, we, you could have lost your leg. You could easily have lost that leg. Um, I didn't lose the leg, but then I'm going to need three surgeries. So fast forward six weeks, I go back. So, you know, I, he did the surgery. I was in a cast that I had to sit down at home um, for six weeks. He told me, this week you could do this. You could put 25% of your weight on it. Next week, you could put 50% of your weight on it. I wasn't trying to do that because I thought for sure that man was trying to kill me. You don't, bring, you don't have a broken bone and, and, and you put 25% of your weight on it two weeks later. I said, mm -mm, he's trying to kill me. This is, he definitely wants me to lose this leg. So I, I wasn't necessarily the best patient. Anyway... I go back at six weeks and he, you know, he does, he does his examination. He looks at the wound. He, do, he, he, um, he does an x-ray and he says, your leg is completely healed. I'm looking at the x-ray and I see this, I, I see that there's something happened, right? It doesn't look, it doesn't look like it's completely healed to me. And he explains, oh no, well, what happens is when you break a bone, it doesn't fuse together, but then what happens is new bone is going to grow and fill that space. So it's doing what it's supposed to do and it looks good. In fact, he said to me, you know, if I wish all my, you know, if, if, if you're to break a bone, I wish everybody broke theirs like yours. I paraphrase, but you know, now I was a poster child for a broken bone. 
And he's like, yes, you know, this this is here. This is ready. What he said, you want to you want to jog, jog. You want to ride a bicycle, ride a bicycle. I was barely walking. At that six week point, I had just started physical therapy. I was just going into physical therapy. So I wasn't even walking. He's like, yes, if you want to run, you can run. If you want to ride a bike, ride a bike. And I thought, surely. He's the doctor. He should know. Right. But I thought he must not know what he's talking about. And so there, there was, and at, and at that point, I didn't realize, but there was, there was the first miracle from three surgeries to healed in six weeks, right? I'm like, okay, I'm still, there's still, this is still not having a, having an effect on me. I'm still not understanding. Oh my gosh, you know, this is really happening. So then comes the situation of having to go to court because it was a major accident. There was um, loss of life and property damage. And in the state of Florida where this happened, the law is if there is loss of life or property damage greater than $20,000, both of which happened because both cars were worth more than $20,000 and whatever marks were left in the road were considered property damage. Uh, you know, you automatically lose your license or you, if you don't have a license, your right to have a license is suspended. And so here comes, here comes this police officer. Um, and he says to the judge, you know, your honor, I was told not to make a recommendation by my superiors, which is odd because if anybody's ever been to traffic court, how it works is you stand there and you listen to the judge and the police officer talk about you and the police officer will say your honor they did this they did that they did whatever this is what i recommend this is what we want and the judge rubber stamps it and she says she or he says okay and in this case here he's saying no my supervisor told me don't make a recommendation here then he goes on to say but you know your honor i don't think that there was any intent and we have to bear in mind that somebody lost their life, but I don't think she meant any harm. And I'm looking at him because in all this, all the things that I watched on TV, the, they're always out to get you. It, my, this is my opinion. This is my view. The police, the law, the justice system is always out to get you. You're a criminal. You come in there and, you know, you're, you're guilty. And so... They had their conversation. They, you know, they went through all, all that they needed to go through. And when the judge was making her ruling, she had, she had the authority to suspend my license. Her words were exactly, the DMV will do what the DMV will do. She had the authority to suspend my license. She chose not to. She said, the DMV will do what the DMV will do. Well, miraculously, the DMV didn't do anything. And this process is pretty much automated. You know, the, all of these things are computerized. Your information gets in the system and, you know, your license is administratively suspended for a year. There's no, there's no getting around it. There, there is no, you know, no, no, any kind of petition that you necessarily can make to prevent that. Once it's suspended, you could make requests for, you know, permission to drive to your job or to, to the hospital, to medical appointments or whatever. But you can't necessarily, you can't go to them and say, oh, well, you know, these are mitigating circumstances or extenuating circumstances. Let, please don't suspend my license. So 
what happened through that is that God showed me that when I was facing my worst fears and expecting the worst, that he's a God that delivers. Although it was my fault, I, my car was the car that crossed the center line. My car was the car that went over and encroached on this other car. This lady was doing nothing. This lady was doing what she'd always done. She went, she, she went to pick up her kids or grandkids or whomever. She went to pick up the kids at school. She didn't, you know, she had every expectation of going home that day. She had every expectation of doing the same thing the next day because this was, this was a weekday, I think. It was a weekday. She had every expectation of doing, of doing the same thing the next day. And in that situation, although being at fault, I received favor and mercy that I could not have anticipated. I couldn't comprehend that I couldn't, I mean, in, in all my imaginations, in all my thoughts about how things would go, it certainly was not like that. I'll tell you how it went. While I was at home sitting on the couch, looking through the window, every time I saw a police car go by, I thought, oh, they're here to get me. Oh, this is it. This is, is it. It's over. So that certainly, that certainly was way, way, way far away from what I imagined, from how I thought it was going to go. So my outcome was much better than I could imagine. As a result of that, I realized, you know what? The worst things that I imagined happened and they were not as bad as I thought. So I, I, I'm, I, was, I was thankful, I was okay. I don't have to worry about so much anymore. But remember, one incident or one, one, out, one good outcome does not, release you instantly right it didn't for me I still was worried about all the things that I was worried about just well not not as many of them just a few less and so I still had many worries but I thought well I'm going to church now I'm a Christian I'm in a good place I'm you know things are good I'm you know my world is my world has expanded because now I don't have to not to not do these things because then I don't have to worry about these things and then Alas, I was in a good place, I thought, only to be faced with divorce. And I wondered, how am I going to make it on my own? How am I going to provide my, for myself? How am I going to, who's going to support me? Who's going to be by my side? Where all of a sudden, there it was again, lost my security. That was it. I was more or less in this, adrift in the sea of life. And all of a sudden, all, the, all my fears about what was to happen, how life was going to be, all of those things came rushing back. And through that process, and it was, it was long, and it was, it was hostile, and it was, antagon it was antagonistic, God again revealed himself to be a deliverer. God came through when I was faced with the possibility of being homeless. I wasn't. When, you know, when, when I was wondering how I was going to pay my bills, I was going to have electricity and heat and food. All of a sudden, much better than I could imagine. It wasn't food stamp. It wasn't the government. It was 
much better than I much better than I could have imagined. God freed me from those fears. I was able to pay my utilities. I was able to, and I did better than survive. I did better than cope, right? I did better than cope, even, even when I was worried at the beginning that, oh, this was it. This was the end of it for me. I might as well just, you know, pack up, pack up and go back to Jamaica. But here I am to say that through that, through my worst fears in life, I got to witness and experience, to witness and experience the mercy and the provision and the protection and the tenderness and the love of God. Now in freeing us, as, as Peter was freed, God gives us a witness. It's a place to start, a place to share him and the good news of the gospel with others. The scripture says when Peter arrived at the house of Mary in verse 17, he told all that were gathered and then he left. And remember that the crowd Jesus drew and the apostles drew many of the crowds that they drew was because they had they had performed all these miracles. You know, the sick was healed, the dead the dead was resurrected, uh, the lame was healed, you know, just magnificent things happened, things that people had never seen before. And so here was Peter sharing his witness, to, here, sharing his witness about what happened. The next point I want to make about this story, the next observation is God will deal with our persecutors. And I, 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 was, I was amazed that the scripture, there was no point at which it said, it mentioned, it mentioned what happened and it didn't talk about, you know, Herod, Herod joined, the, joined with the Jews and he was persecuting, he was persecuting the church. But it never, it never mentioned anything, the scripture never mentions anything about Peter's reaction. He never complained, he never, it just wasn't mentioned. Like it was a non-entity. I wonder, I know that when I feel like I'm being persecuted, I complain and I complain loudly. Everybody must know how unfair this is, how unfair life is. But this, this story, this situation reminds me, tells me, teaches me, God will deal with our persecutors. I mean, Peter didn't have to do anything. So he fled because clearly Herod was upset. Herod was very upset to the point where he put the guards to death. But Peter didn't have to, I mean, Peter didn't do anything. He didn't try to avenge. He didn't ask God why he didn't, he moved on. Herod was, Herod was, um, Herod was after him. He gave his witness and he moved on. Now, the, the, if we jump down to the, a little bit to the end of the chapter, we see that Herod met his end and his just end. Because after all he had done, when he had that meeting with the people of Tyre and Sidon, he accepted worship when the people said, oh, this, this voice, this is not the voice of man, but the voice of God. And instead of saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, I am a man. I, you know, these are, these, these are my feelings. This is me. I, I am a man. And that's in contrast to, 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 to the apostles, you know, when they, when people try to worship them, they're like, get up. No, 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 no. 
Worship belongs to God. Get up. Don't worship me. Here is this man accepting people's worship, saying, oh, okay, I can take this. I can take this praise. And because of that, because of that, he was struck dead. Now, who thought? Did he think that, you know, his end was going to come so, so surely or so swiftly? He didn't. But he, he paid. He paid. And God, in the end, dealt with, dealt with the persecutor. Our chapter ends by noting, as we talk about Acts and the Acts of the Apostles, and uh, we talk about where we read about, we see the power of the Holy Spirit. We see, we focus on, 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 on the expansion of the church. The whole book tells us so many people were added and so many people were added and, the, and they witnessed and so many people were added. It ends by noting that the word of God spread and there were many new believers. And the fact is, as we've all been learning through the book of Acts, Dr. Fee told us two weeks ago that nothing is going to stop the word. Nothing is going to stop the, the Holy Spirit. Whether we decide to participate or partner or not, nothing's going to stop the Holy Spirit. Last week, Sister Anne talked to us about obedience, being obedient to the Spirit, not being in our comfort zone. And the one thing I realize is we can't grow in our comfort zone. It's a place of safety and security. You avoid risk. You, you, you never know what could be because you never, you never try, you never move. And the truth is also that I know anything that does not grow dies. So you stay in your comfort zone. You're, you're not growing. You're not advancing. You, you'll stay there until stagnation takes over and you, you die a natural death. No, understanding that nothing will stop the work of God, whether we decide to partner with him or not, nothing will, part, will stop the work of God. Would you, not rather, would you not rather partner with him? The scripture says that the rocks will cry out. When Jesus was coming through the city, through, and he was, people were praising him, and you know, the, the people were upset about, about Jesus getting praised. Jesus said, listen, the rocks will cry out if these people are not if these people are not saying it the rocks will cry out so if we don't do it it's gonna happen you choose not to do it you don't want to do it you don't feel like you're equipped to do it it's still gonna happen would you not would you not rather be a part of that don't you want to be a part of advancing the kingdom of god don't you want to put your fingerprints on the kingdom of god i know i do <laughs> And so, as you have graciously and kindly listened to me this morning, I want you to think, for those of us who, myself, has put me out there, who live in my comfort zone, this is not my comfort zone. I don't want to do this. I don't like doing this. I, I would much rather not do this. But would you not step out of your comfort zone? Don't you want to partner with God? Think about your life for a minute. Where are you? Are you safe and secure? Are you comfortable in your comfort zone? Don't you want to get up? Don't you want, don't, don't you want to see? Don't you want to be a, the, 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 the church in Acts, this, the, the believers in Acts, they saw, they experienced, they were a part of the signs and wonders. There were signs and wonders that came with that preaching. The apostles, they 
they, they, they not only were they preaching powerfully, but from from that preaching powerfully, they, they also ministered. They also did miraculous things, things that no human could comprehend, things that nobody had seen at the time. So for those of us who are we're happy, we're in church, we're comfortable, God has been good to us. Wouldn't you, don't you want to see God's signs and wonders? Don't you want to be a part of the signs and wonders of these last days? Because the same Holy Spirit that performed those signs and wonders is still here and is still performing signs and wonders. If we will believe, if we will step out, if we will, God's not going to force us. So if we will give God the opportunity. So for those of us who have been here, who have been faithful, as the scripture says, um, one of the, one of my favorite scriptures in Luke, the, the father said to the son, son, you have always been with me. For those of us who've always been here and we're good and we're praying and we're comfortable, let us step out of our comfort zone. And for those of us who are still imprisoned, I want you to know that God has freed you. Your prison is open. Your chains have been broken. You are free to be a part of this kingdom. You are free to, exp to share and to witness the signs and wonders that God has performed in your life. Won't you join us? Won't you partner with us? Won't you partner with the Holy Spirit in, in being a part of the signs and wonders of these last days? For those of you who are listening, for those of you who've decided that, you know, I've been sitting on the sidelines, I've been, you know, not really wanting to put myself out there. I don't want, I don't see that there's anything that I would do different. You're wrong. But for those of you who've decided, who who've boldly made that decision that you're going to step out, we would like to partner with you. We'd like to pray with you. We would like to walk, to hold your hand as you partner with God, as you become a part of the modern day signs and wonders, a part of the modern day witness of the gospel. We'd like to partner with you. So won't you reach out to us? Won't you call us or email us, newhorizonmen at gmail.com or call us at 469-333-0397. And I would like to pray with you as you take this new step of faith, this new journey, as you've made this decision to walk, to step out in faith and become a part of this. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for those that have said yes to you today. Father, for those that want to walk with you, that want to partner with you. Lord, we know we can do nothing of our own but we can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. So Father, as, as these new, as these believers, Father, grab hold of the promise, Father, grab hold of, 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 of your work, Father, grab hold of the gospel and share in the good news of the kingdom, God. I pray, mighty God, Father, I give you thanks for them and I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen them. I pray, mighty God, that as, as they walk, Father, that we, Father, that we will partner with them, knowing, Lord, that we have a responsibility. The word says that we should confess our sins to each other so we can lift each other up in prayer. Uh, knowing, Father, that we have a responsibility to lift each other up, to hold each other's hands and to bear each other's cross, oh God. 
We thank you for those, God, that have that have made that step, Father. And we pray, Lord, that we that your divine hand of protection, provision of love, of mercy, that your blessing and your protection and your covering will be over them, oh God. Father, we pray that they will grow from strength to strength in you, Lord, and that they, they'll never find a place of comfort, oh God. But each new milestone, Father, brings the desire for a new milestone. Each height, Father, creates the desire for, an, for a greater height in you, oh God. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.